Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Welcome. Welcome to Trinity. 
Uh, it's great to be back. Um, Claudia and I, we, uh, we had a couple of weeks off and you'll hear some of the stories in a few minutes. Uh, just about our time away, visiting our kids. And so, uh, but it is always good uh, to come back, especially when, when uh, you look forward to seeing all the people that you missed. And so it is uh, a special uh, opportunity to worship God uh, together, you know, and, and Lord willing, we're worshiping God individually during the week. And we're, we're listening to our worship music. And of course, in the word and praying and fellowshipping with one another, serving people that the Lord brings into our, our midst. But um, there's something special and good and right and biblical about gathering together on the first day of the week to remind each other through his word and through our testimonies, our personal stories about how good our God is and all that he is doing in our lives. And we celebrate him. And that's part of, a big part of what we do. We celebrate the new life in Jesus Christ. We're reminded of some important truths from his word that, uh, that help to, to keep us going throughout the week. And so uh, thank you for, for choosing to join us here this morning. Uh, you know, and God is so good because whatever kind of week we had or whatever your morning was like getting here, God knows uh, what's on your mind and in your heart, and uh, God knows exactly what you need. And so we trust that something that you hear, that you experience today, will be uh, something that you absolutely needed, whether you knew it or not, right? Because that's how good our God is. And so what I'd like to do is open um, our time of worship before we stand and sing, uh, just from a, a reading from his word as our call into worship. So let, let God's word uh, just help to, um, to prepare your mind and your heart for coming in to his presence to worship him together this morning. This is a reading from the end of the book of First Chronicles, back in the Old Testament. And uh, these are the words of God through his prophet David, King David. And this is towards the end of David's life. And he is reflecting, uh, as people often do, towards the end of their life on all that he has done and um, looking back. And he's talking about the offering in the temple of God. And so he goes through this whole list of things that God has used him to do to, to prepare the temple as God's dwelling place to worship him. And then he gives these great amazing words about the, just the, the very nature and glory of God. And so I want you to listen to these words as our call into worship. So after David goes through all these reflections on the things that God has allowed him to do to help get the temple ready for worship. He says, then the people, the word says, then the people rejoiced because they had offered to God so willingly for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart and King David also rejoiced greatly. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. 
Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious names. Those wonderful words. Why don't we stand together and do that? We're going to praise together his wonderful and glorious name. As David said, he is great and powerful, and his glory and victory and majesty are his forever. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this special time together. God, we have gathered to worship you, to honor you, and to remember and reflect on your great glory and majesty, for you alone are worthy of such praise. Father, now as we lift our voices together and join our hearts together as one, we do so gladly. God, we want to do so with thankful hearts, full of love and gratitude for you and, of course, for your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, through the leading and power of the Spirit, to your glory, we pray that you would be blessed through this time of worship. We honor you, Lord, now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, let's sing songs of worship to him. What gift of grace is Jesus my Fast love. 
Hallelujah. He is good. He is good. All praise and honor and glory go to him. Amen. Say good morning to somebody next to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right, as we make our way back to our seats, good morning. Uh, it's so good to um, it's so good to see all of you again. Actually, I should be saying uh, aloha, aloha, because we just uh, some of you know, but we just spent uh, uh, most of the last two weeks visiting um, our daughter Lauren and her husband Ben in uh, Hawaii. They live on the island of Maui, and so we got to go visit them and and see them and in, in their new place and spend a lot of good time uh, just being able to worship with them, visited their church, and they're part of a great church community, and, and we love that, especially as parents. It just blesses our hearts to see them in, in, uh, involved in a faith community there, worshiping the Lord, and, and to have good friends. And, and uh, yeah, just a lot of great experiences, and um, as you can imagine, so just truly enjoyed our time uh, away. And so I'll be sharing a couple of stories about that in, in just a minute, but... Um, I did want to just kind of get us caught up on a few items of what we call church life. 
And just so, uh, so we're on the same page about what's been going on the last few weeks and things that are coming up. I do know that we have uh, our core values, learn, grow, and serve. We say these words often because this is how we pursue discipleship here at Trinity. And uh, we know that Christians are called, uh, once as believers in Jesus, to, um, to make that commitment to follow Christ. And Jesus calls us to make that commitment as believers to follow him. And uh, this is how we do that here at Trinity, and we uh, pursue discipleship by learning the truth and then growing in faith and then serving. We serve one another and we serve uh, the community and the world around us. And there's many ways to do those three things here at uh, Trinity. We'll be doing all those this morning. Uh, But one way that we serve is to get involved with our missions outreach, and we have a missions team that plans uh, different outreaches every month. And uh, so, for this month, you know, for today actually is our, our outreach for this month, for February. We are going to uh, Neptune to a place that's called Tent City. It's out there behind the shop, right? If any of you have seen that, but uh, we have heard that it has grown over the last few months to a larger population of people who camp out there and are living there, at least for now. And so uh, we are going uh, to visit with them. Uh, uh, Andrew and Elizabeth, who head up our missions team, have gone ahead of time to talk to a couple of the people there and see what their needs are. And so uh, many of you have signed up to go. We appreciate that. And so we're meeting right after service today to head up over there uh, to, um, to minister to them. We're going to be cleaning up their area, just serving them and blessing them, but also meeting with the people. We'll be bringing all the stuff that you saw on the way in, the canned goods and the food to help just to kind of help them provide some basic needs. And then uh, most importantly, as we get to to minister to them and help them to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, because he truly is the only hope that any of us have in this world. And so uh, pray for us. If you're not able to go today, pray for the team that is going. You'll see us uh, gathering uh, there in the back after service. So you can uh, pray with us if you like before you leave, before we head out, or pray for us throughout the day as the, the team goes out. A couple other opportunities. You see uh, something I mentioned there. Uh, this is a new opportunity just came up in the last day or so. So this is a new announcement. Um, but uh, our missions team have been looking for ways to help people that have been devastated by the earthquakes in Turkey. We all have seen that over the last weeks and have heard about the devastating um, earthquakes and the stories and everything. And so well, we have a couple of ways actually to help, but one way that just came up is through the Homedale Police Department. Uh, we just uh, kind of found this through um, network of people, but they are collecting uh, items to be donated that they are then going to ship out to an organization in Turkey to go to the people. As you know, that it's really cold over there still, and so the weather is making things even more difficult to the people that have survived the earthquake. And so um, you can drop off items such as um, hats and scarves and gloves and even over-the-counter medicine, the police department said, is, is good and appropriate. Uh, things of that nature, you can bring it to the church this week and drop it off or bring it next Sunday. But next Sunday would be the deadline because the following Wednesday, which I believe is the 8th, the Homedale Police Department will be shipping out uh, these uh, containers full of goods. And so if you are so inclined, if the Holy Spirit leads you, please consider, pray about that, and bringing items such as, you know, things to help keep people warm, kids and adults, and even over-the-counter medicine that they might need 
um, that you can bring those here into church next Sunday, and our missions team will make sure it gets to the Homedale Police Department so it goes out with their shipment of following, on the following Wednesday, all right? So that is a new announcement for this morning, but just to keep that in mind that you can bring those goods uh, here uh, with you next Sunday. We're also going to have a, uh, a website link up on our website sometime by the end of this week with another way to help uh, to just donate financially uh, through um, a, a contact that we have through our youngest daughter, Julia. She is a student, a senior at Messiah University in Pennsylvania. One of her best friends there actually grew up as a missionary kid in Turkey. And her parents were missionaries and the whole family were missionaries for, for many, many years. They're back in the States now, but they have still many friends and family that are still on the mission field there in Turkey that have, of course, been helping. And so if you'd like to help believers, Christians that are on the ground right now in Turkey helping people, um, we're going to provide a, a link on our website where you can give financially to this organization uh, as they just help people uh, on the ground just with whatever they need. And then we hear, hear stories of, of survivors people are still finding, which is just amazing. I'm going to keep praying for them. But different ways that we can get involved. Because, you know, sometimes we, we hear of these events in different parts of the world, and we pray for them, of course, and we wonder, like, what can we do to get involved? Well, we have two ways here at Trinity to do that. And so one, of course, is by bringing items by next Sunday, and then uh, we'll provide another way that you can give, and that'll be ongoing, that you can give financially to uh, believers, Christians who are there uh, doing the work of helping. All right, and so many different ways to get involved here at Trinity. Um, next week is our fellowship lunch, of course, and we have our communion at the end of service next week. It's the first Sunday of the month. And, uh, and then we follow that up with our fellowship lunch. So that is next Sunday, March 5th. And so please, uh, if you come out, you can just bring some food to share. Um, and uh, we'd love for everybody to stay. And it's a wonderful time, a way that we fellowship, uh, have some extended time together after our service. And you know, it, it's good because we end our service on, on those weekends, on those Sundays with communion as we remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And then we move into what is traditionally known as the, the agape feast, the big fellowship lunch, where we continue to remember Jesus, but we also celebrate the new life in him because of his resurrection, right? And so in order to get to the empty tomb, you go through the cross. And so that's where we end service with communion. And then we have an extended time of fellowship and food and remembrance and celebrating the new life in him. So that is next Sunday. So make sure that you, um, that you join us for that. Uh, another opportunity to get involved as well. Uh, and there's some flyers out on our, our missions table. Uh, through one of our missionary partners, Debbie Carver, she's been with us a long time. Uh, she uh, has different ministries that she does outside of or in conjunction with her prison ministry. And one of, those, one of those is to help Johnny and friends. And it's a ministry to people that, um, that have different kinds of struggles and, and usually physical issues that they deal with throughout their lives and illnesses. And so there is a particular um, um, drive right now for used wheelchairs. And so if you happen to have one or you know somebody that has a wheelchair, it's not in use, you'd like to donate it, then there is a local church that's going to be accepting donations on a particular day and uh, coming up soon. And all of that information is on the info sheets back at our missions table in the lobby. So if you're interested, if that's something that maybe you have one at home or you know somebody that does and 
they're not using it anymore, um, there's a place you can actually donate that and it will go to help people uh, in need because of course we know that they can be very expensive and not everybody can afford them that needs them. And so another way to get involved. So check that out and all the other resources at our missions table after service. And then, um, you know, in a moment, we'll open God's word and, and uh, continue our study of First and uh, Second Peter. We did First Peter already, so we are still in chapter one of Second Peter. But I'd like to pray. Just pray now before we open God's word together. All right, so let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you for always being with us as you are indwelling us through your spirit, which means now in the life of every believer, you are with us, and we thank you. God, we have come before you this morning to worship you, to worship you and to honor you. And Lord, we want to continue to do that as we open your word together. Your word gives us life. It gives us sustenance. And God, we know that we live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. So God, would you remind us of who you are and encourage us in our relationship with you this morning? Lord, as we have been saying and singing that all glory and praise and honor and majesty goes to you and to you alone. And so now as we fix our eyes on Jesus and focus our attention on your word for us this morning. God, may you be blessed and glorified. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and we are this morning going uh, through three verses. It's verses 16 through 18. So 2 Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 16 through 18. You know, when Claudia and I uh, were just in uh, Hawaii, in Maui, we, we did a lot of uh, adventurous things with our kids and got to see a, a lot of the beautiful um, creation that God blessed that area of the world with. And uh, one of the things we did, which is really cool, is we visited a, a, a tropical plantation, see all the different kinds of of uh, beautiful flowers and foliage, and it was on this mountainside, and we saw waterfalls, and the, the, it's, a, it's a private um, garden. It's actually called the Garden of Eden. And it's really cool. I was like, I never thought that I'd get to visit the Garden of Eden, and it was beautiful. And, um, you know, when you drive in, they just have a, they have a list of some of the things that you can and can't do and, and the rules, and uh, so I broke the one rule, and they kicked me out. And I was just like, Get it? Garden of Eden. I broke the rule. I got kicked out. That's okay. I was working on that joke all week, and I was like, I don't think it landed too well. But the actual place was called the Garden of Eden, and I have to say it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and it just kind of gives you an idea, maybe a little bit, of what the actual Garden of Eden was like. But um, as many people say, you know, it really uh, is paradise there. It seems like paradise. The weather is so beautiful, and the, the beautiful mountains, and the ocean, and and uh, the tropical uh, foliage, and so we, we just loved it and uh, had a wonderful time. But one of the highlights, I think, was, um, was going whale watching. And some of you have done this, and of course we can do that here at the Jersey Shore. And so uh, we went on a whale watching tour for about two hours, 
and uh, learned a whole lot about the area, and we learned about the, the whales that, that come there to Maui this time of year. It was actually like, it's like the height and peak of the whale watching season there. And uh, so we had a wonderful time doing that. And so we got to go out on this boat, and there was about 60 of us. And there was a, a captain of the boat and a couple of tour guides that were there who were experts in, um, in whales and all things whales and scientists. And they were explaining everything, helping us to, to see them. And it was an awesome time, you know. And um, uh, these, uh, there were two scientists on board who were experts in their field and were explaining to us all about the whales that we were about to see. And then as we got to see some of them up close, which was amazing, they got to share with us a, a little bit about what we were seeing and their behavior and what they were doing. And, um, you know, these experts knew what they were talking about because they had seen this before. Not only did they study it, but they had seen these, you know, types of whales and their behavior, knew all about it, and they had the experience to share with us, people that didn't really know much about it, not experts in whale watching, to share with us, you know, what it is that we were seeing and hearing. Because actually one of the really cool things that we did was they dropped a microphone into the, the water. Of course, it's a waterproof mic. And they said, we want you to listen to this. And we heard these beautiful, amazing whale sounds, whale songs. Now, we've kind of all heard that, right? We hear them in movies or you go you know, on the internet, you can hear it. And we have an idea of what it sounds like. But we got to hear it firsthand, and they, they piped it in over the, the, the sound system in the, in the boat. And we got to hear the whales that we were actually seeing in the water that were coming up and splashing their, their fins and all of that. We got to hear them talking to one another. And they talk in song. And it's these beautiful whale songs. And what we learned is just so fascinating that they have determined and figured out that every year, these, these whales, these are humpback whales that, that migrate here in the area of Hawaii, and they feed up in Alaska, and they come to, to mate and give birth there in Hawaii, and they sing the same song every year, but every year there's a different version of it. It's kind of a nuanced version, but they've recognized enough similarities where they realize they bring with them the same song, but they kind of create a different version, but then it spreads. And it spreads from one whale to the other. In fact, what they have found is that whales, humpback whales, almost 9,000 miles away in a different part of the ocean are singing the same song. Isn't that amazing that they spread their song? And of course, these whale songs that you hear, that we were able to, 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 to hear ourselves, they are spreading one whale to the next and singing the same song. It's an amazing way that they communicate. But see, the, the, the experts that were on board, these scientists, they said, don't just take our word for it. They said they've had people say, oh, you're just playing a recording. We don't really know that it's what these whales are singing. They said what you can do is when you're on the beach, because there's so many whales there this time of year, when you're on the beach and you're in the water just playing in the surf, just go underwater for a few seconds and you will hear the whales. You know what? It's absolutely true. You can actually hear the whales 
from miles and miles away, you can hear them singing. It's truly, truly amazing the way God created these beautiful creatures. But see, these experts said, don't just leave us, try it for yourself. But they, see, they had a testimony because of their experience. They had seen it before. We even had a boat captain who was telling us how to be safe and how they were going to use the boat, where they were going to go to find the whales and how close we could get to them and all that. And, And he even gave testimony to the fact that these people were experts and they worked for the Pacific Whale Research Center and that's where we checked in. That was the group that sent us. And so, of course, we trusted what our experience, uh, that our experience was true. But then we got to see with our own eyes these beautiful creatures up close. We got to hear them singing with our own ears. We became eyewitnesses ourselves to the beauty and the majesty of God's creation in these whales. See, there is authority, church, and credibility and influence and power in eyewitness testimony. And this is actually where we pick up in our passage today in 2 Peter together. So I'm going to read this for you now. It will be up on the screen, and you can see that. It's 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18. And you'll see what Peter is doing is he's telling his readers, look, he's saying, you can believe what I'm telling you about Jesus and the hope we have in him and his return because I was an eyewitness to Jesus himself but it gets even better than that. So listen to these words. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. That's it. That's our passage for today. So I want to unpack this just briefly together and see why this is so powerful. Because what Peter is doing is he is telling his readers, and of course us today, he's saying, you can trust what I'm telling you about Jesus. And you can remain hopeful even in the midst of of oppression and in the midst of, of circumstances beyond your control of persecution. And even in the midst of false teachers coming into the churches, which is, if you remember, what he is addressing most in this letter of 2 Peter, false teachers. Before he even starts to talk about what it is they're teaching, he's addressing it. And he says, look, we didn't do like what these false teachers are doing. Don't let them deceive you. Because they make up these clever stories and myths and these are devised tales, he says. He says, we're not doing that. Because what we have taught you comes right from us being eyewitnesses to Jesus himself. So what is he talking about here? There was a particular event, this is really important, a particular event in the life of Peter 
that he is referring to, and it is called the transfiguration. This is when Jesus, towards the end of his ministry, he brings the inner three, like the core three of his disciples, Peter being one who wrote this letter, James and John. And he brings the three of them up to this mountain. We're not sure exactly which mountain, but we call it the Mount of Transfiguration now. And he shows them a glimpse of his glory. He shows them a glimpse of his glory and majesty in a way that they would have never expected. Where he transfigures himself, he transforms himself, is what the original Greek language says. He is transformed into what he will look like when we spend eternity with him. And in a way, what our bodies will look like when we are resurrected and receive our glorified bodies. It says elsewhere, it'll be just like his body. So Jesus gives the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, this glimpse into Jesus's glory. And he does it because he wants to encourage them and remind them, look, I will come back. And the kingdom that my father has promised, the one that I am king of, Jesus is saying, it will come. Because remember this, and this is important too, that you see the Jewish people of the day, the, the, the Hebrew Christians, the Jewish people who had become believers in Christ, what they grew up learning and understanding from the Old Testament was that the Messiah, the promised one, would usher in a new kingdom, right? So they were all about the kingdom, waiting for the kingdom. Now Jesus comes on the scene, casting out demons, performing miracles, feeding the thousands, right? And they believe that he is the Messiah, but from all of their learning from the Old Testament, something is missing. What's missing? the actual kingdom. You see, because what they understood was that with the king comes his kingdom. That's what Isaiah had taught and all the other prophets. So here is the king. They believe he's the king. But they keep asking Jesus in different ways, Jesus, where's the kingdom? Where's your kingdom? Is it going to be now? Or are we going to be great in the kingdom? Are we going to be leaders? What's it going to look like? Because we believe you're the king, but where is your kingdom? See, so Jesus assures them in a, in a most miraculous way by bringing them up onto this mountain and showing them a glimpse of his glory. Peter got to be an eyewitness, you see, to the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ in all of his glory. I mean, they had spent all these three and a half years with him and, and walked with him and saw him in his humanity, doing things that only God can do, but now they got to see him is he truly is just a glimpse of that. So I want to read to you the story of the transfiguration. It won't be up on the screen for you, but I'd like you to just listen, or if, if you have your Bibles, please turn to it. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, the end of chapter 16 into uh, chapter 17. If you'd like to just listen, you can put it in your notes that this is what Peter is talking about, this event. It's this amazing singular event in the ministry of Jesus to just these three disciples, the only three. He even tells them afterwards, don't tell anybody what you saw until after my resurrection. That's what he says. So I want to read to you the account of the transfiguration of Jesus so we have some good context 
about what Peter is saying. And after I read this, we're going to go back and, and just unpack our passage or a little bit, okay? So here's what it says. This is Matthew chapter 16, and I'm starting, um, starting in verse 24. Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. I'm going to go through Matthew 17, verse 8. So this is leading up to the transfiguration, but it's important that you hear what leads up to it to have the full context. All right, so it says in verse 24 of Matthew 16, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So that sets up what I'm about to read in the transfiguration. So Jesus is telling his disciples, if you want to be a disciple, you deny yourself, take up your cross, and you follow me, because I am going to come back. So in the meantime, you follow me. When I come back, I'm going to come back in all my glory with all of the angels coming back in judgment. So he is prophesying about what we know will happen. Jesus will come back, end of all things. We call that the second advent, the second coming, to finish judging the world and set up his kingdom, you see? So in the context, Jesus is telling his disciples, I am the king, I will come back and set up my kingdom but in the meantime, I'm going to give you a glimpse of what that's going to look like so that they remain hopeful. So we are the benefactors of seeing that this morning through eyewitness testimony. So here's what it says now, starting in chapter 17. Because remember, he just said, some of those standing here will not taste death until, death until the Son of Man uh, is seen coming in his kingdom. Now, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about those three, Peter, James, and John, would not die until they saw a glimpse of the coming kingdom. And that's what they're about to see. So, chapter 17, six days later, six days after he taught them this, Jesus took Peter with him and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up, do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, 
They saw no one except Jesus himself alone. It was that short of a time. But you see what happened? Jesus was telling his disciples, look, I am the king and I am bringing my kingdom. It's not yet. Remember the nation of Israel had rejected Jesus. We see that in in Matthew 12. It's sort of the turning point of the gospel of Matthew. Because after that, the preaching of the kingdom goes away and he just focuses on his disciples and teaching them what life is going to be like in the church age until he comes back. And so he wants to encourage them in their walk with him. As I believe it's an encouragement for us this morning. And so it says, six days later, he took the three up and he transformed himself, transfigured before them. Explains what he was like. His face shone like the sun, his garments as white light, and even appeared there Moses and Elijah. Two other eyewitnesses in a sense. And so isn't it kind of funny, this guy Peter we've been learning about from his letters, so tempestuous at some times and, and, and just flying off the handle, putting his foot in his mouth. Here he says something he's so understated. They just saw Jesus in all his glory and he's still there. And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, this is pretty good. <laughs> he says it's good for us to be here. It's like, yeah, you think? It's good for us to be here. So Peter, always wanting to be the one of action, says, this is great. He's like saying, let's stay here forever. I'm going to build a tabernacle and build one for you, Jesus, and one for Moses, one for Elijah, and we're just going to stay here. Now, of course, he's seeing Jesus in all his glory. Who wouldn't want to stay there and just have their eyes transfixed on, on Jesus in all his glory forever and ever? One day we will. But Peter just wanted to stay. So it's funny because it even says that while he was still talking, is that funny? That's like Jesus knows Peter. While he was still talking, who then speaks to all of them? But God the Father himself. So we have the eyewitness of Peter to the glory of Jesus. But why I said it gets even better is because now we have the very words of God as testimony to who Jesus is and why we can trust him. Because now as Jesus is being transfigured, it says, while Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Like God wasn't going to wait for Peter to stop talking because he probably wouldn't even stop, right? And so it says, while he was still talking, the bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, and this is the word of God himself. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So while Jesus is being transfigured, God gives testimony to his son and says, this is Jesus, the Messiah, the king you have awaited for. This is him. And you can listen to him and trust him. Then when they heard the word of God, that all three of them fell down onto the ground, their faces. Then they were terrified. Every time in Scripture when you see, in the Old Testament, you see people coming face to face with God, they fall down in fear. Fear at the very glory of God. And Jesus then came to them, the loving, kind Savior that he is, and he puts his hand on them and he says, it's okay, don't be afraid, you can get up now. And then when they got up, Moses and Elijah were gone. God was gone. It was just Jesus himself once again. It was that quick. But see, Jesus was so good. 
and gracious to give him that, that beautiful glimpse. See, that's why Peter can then say in our passage for today that he was an eyewitness. So he says, we're not like these false teachers that you're allowing into your churches. They just make up stories and myths and it sounds true. They're cleverly devised tales. He says, we don't do that. I said, we have been made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So not only who Jesus is, his power and glory, but look what he says, and the coming of our Lord Jesus. What else gives us hope, church? But the reminder that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. He's coming back for us, his church, our blessed hope. And then soon after, he will return in all power and glory actually to the earth to complete his judgment and to set up his kingdom. You see? And so the disciples, like all of the other Christians at the time who were Jewish, all the first Christians were Jewish, of course, they were wondering, where is this kingdom that we have been promised? We have the king. Where is this kingdom? Well, they're religious leaders, and therefore, by default, the nation of Israel had rejected their king. So the kingdom could not yet come, but Jesus said, don't worry, I'm coming back and I'm bringing the kingdom and I'll give you a little taste of it. And that's what he did in the transfiguration. He gave Peter, James, and John, those three disciples, a taste of the kingdom. Church, that's what we have this morning. Because Peter is saying, look, I was an eyewitness to that. We believe eyewitness testimony, don't we? I mean, we all uh, understand how it works in a courtroom. We watch our courtroom drama shows, our favorite ones on TV. And they're always bringing in and looking for eyewitnesses. Who saw what happened here? Who saw what happened? Right? You watch Law and Order, and you see at the beginning of every show, what happens? There's somebody that's dead. And so the cops show up, and the first thing they do is, who saw what happened? Who saw this? Who's an eyewitness to what just happened so we can verify the truth of the facts about what happened? So Peter says, me and James and John, we were eyewitnesses, not only with Jesus, all the disciples saw him, we were eyewitnesses to his glory and to what the kingdom is going to look like. We get to spend eternity with him in the kingdom. So yes, we can trust Jesus. And guess what? We also heard the very word of God giving testimony to Jesus, his son, and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. What would you do if God spoke to you? A cloud descended and said, follow Jesus. He is my son. Listen to him. We'd fall on the ground like they did. So Peter is saying to his listeners and to his readers, don't believe anybody other than Jesus. And he says, he's not with us anymore right now, but one day he's coming back. But I was an eyewitness, Peter says, so you can believe my testimony and we can share with you the testimony of God the Father who said these words. Now, where have you heard those words before, church? When God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Where did we hear those before? You remember at his baptism, at his baptism when the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus, right? As he's about to begin his ministry, Jesus is baptized, remember? 
and we hear the very words of God because God himself said, so other people would hear those same words, this is my beloved son and I am well pleased. Listen to him. He's giving testimony to who Jesus is. So God does this at the beginning of Jesus' uh, ministry and at the end of Jesus' ministry. Isn't that awesome? That's what God did. So we can believe and trust in every word of our God. You see, the disciples were given this glimpse. Even John was given another glimpse uh, uh, on the island of Patmos, John who wrote Revelation. We hear about that and read about it in Revelation. We know that the apostle Paul saw Jesus in all his glory on the road to Damascus and was blinded at the time. And got to be caught up in the third heaven, he says elsewhere. Even the apostle Stephen, we see in Acts 7, saw a glimpse of Jesus in heaven in full glory, it says. They were eyewitnesses to the testimony of Jesus. And they even had God's own words, and his baptism, and then and his transfiguration. So what does this all mean for us, church, as we wrap it up today? Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, because they did and no one else. Whenever you hear other teaching, even if it has truth mixed in, always pray, church, for discernment. As we're growing as Christians and growing as disciples, we are to be asking for wisdom and growing in what's called discernment, being discerning about what we're listening to and what we are seeing. Is this truly of God? Is this what the Bible says? We have the word of God as our full and complete and only authority on all that is necessary for life and godliness. Peter said that a few weeks ago in our, our study. We saw that earlier in, in chapter one. So we have the word of God that we are to go to as our authority on who Jesus is, who God the Father is, and who he says we are. Everything about the past, our present, and the future things to come. And then Peter says, I was even an eyewitness. I was an eyewitness to his glory. So we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep trusting in him, to stay focused on his word, his written word, his revealed word. And we even have God the Father's own testimony about Jesus and then what do we do with all that? As we are living it out, learning and growing, we are to serve others, and the best way to serve others is to tell them about Jesus. See, we all have a testimony too, don't we? We are to go and tell the story of Jesus, the gospel, as we tell our story. See, Peter was telling his story. He was like, let me tell you a story about what Jesus did for me and James and John, and he told about the transfiguration. And that's what he's referring to here. We all have a testimony. We can tell people what God has done for us. Jesus transfigured himself. You can tell about how Jesus transformed your life. You are a living testimony, not only by what he has done in your life, but you get to then share the words of the gospel itself, the good news of hope in Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to bring life, to those who would believe, as John 3.16 says, right? For God so loved the world. How did he love the world? That he gave his only son. Here, God says his beloved son, his only beloved and begotten son, that whoever would simply believe in him would not die, 
but have everlasting life, right? It's as simple as that. Because when you believe in Jesus, you are believing in who he says he is, the very son of God, the promised Messiah, and that he did what he said he was going to do, that he would die on the cross to take our place, that his blood would be shed to cover our sins so that our sins may be forgiven, that we can then be given eternal life. That he is who he says he is, he did what he said he was going to do, and that he defeated death on the third day by rising from the grave. And if we believe in him, it says that we will be saved. You remember the account of the Philippian jailer we read about in Acts chapter 16 and 17, and the Philippian jailer saw this miracle of God with the earthquake and the way that he released the disciples and the, the Philippian jailer, before the disciples left, he said, sirs, how can I be saved? He wanted what they had. There are people in your life, church, that want what you have. Do they see it in your life? Do they hear it when you share the gospel story? And they simply said to the jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. The simple and profound gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have our own testimony to share, the way that we live it out, but we also have his story to tell, the very gospel. Paul says it this way in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Did you hear that? This is the Apostle Paul himself right in the beginning of Romans, Romans 1.16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. How are people saved? Through the gospel. How are they going to hear the gospel? When we share it with them. When we went on this whale-watching tour, these scientists told us something that was amazing. That these whales sing the same song every year and they just create a different version. It all starts with one whale. They can't tell which whale it is, but it's all going to start with one whale. And then another whale next to them, maybe another whale a few miles away, as they make their trek from Alaska down to Hawaii. And then it spreads to other whales in other parts of the ocean over 9,000 miles away. One whale to the next. They share the song so that they are all singing the same song. It's as if this song has gone viral. But it all starts with one. Church, it all starts with you. Are you willing, like the whales sing their song, are you willing to share the gospel with others? Tell them how Jesus has transformed your life and tell them the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done. And Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Are you willing to share that? Are you willing to tell someone else? Because then what happens is they will then tell someone else and so on and so on. The gospel we always want to go viral. As the whale song spread over thousands of miles, one whale to the next. Let that happen as we share our story, our eyewitness testimony to God's salvation in our life. And then we share the story. Church, 
Let the gospel go viral and let it start here. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today, your powerful word. We thank you for the the words, God, of you yourself about your son, Jesus, that he is your beloved son, and in him you are well pleased, and we are to listen to him. Father God, may we remain faithful and trusting of the eyewitness testimony of the apostles as we read their writings every day in what we call the Bible. Father God, may we take it to heart, see it as true, the gospel truth, to live it out, allow your word to transform us, and then, Father God, may we share the beautiful words of the gospel with others. God, we want your gospel, your truth, the living hope and the the living truth to go viral from this place, from our lives, wherever you take us today and throughout the week, Lord, in our families, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we shop, where we live, Father God, let us be the ones to sing our song that others would hear it and believe it, and sing it, and then spread it on, and on, and on, until you return for us, Jesus, King of kings, and Lord of lords. Go with us now, through your Holy Spirit in us, and prepare the way. Provide those beautiful, divine appointments, so that we can share how you have transformed our lives, and tell others about Jesus. And in the end, Father, we give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Thanks for joining us this morning. Go in peace. Pray for our missions team as they go out today to share his story.